Timothy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Grove and all these in the theater for a nine o'clock service. Thanks for coming today, and uh, we're excited for part two of, of this series. And essentially, the idea of the, uh, the series is ensure that next time won't be like last time. How can we make sure that next time can be better than last time and the, and the previous time in our past? And so we're talking about this series and, and uh, how we can uh, learn from our past, but also move forward into with freedom into the future. And so how to ensure next time is better than, than last time. Uh, so today um, I'm going to be talking about the second part of, of this series. And I'm excited about this because um, today's going to, it might seem a little, um, how would I say this? Um, at times it's going to seem a little harsh, right? What I'm going to talk about, because um, it's going to come across like, man, he's really picking on me today. And here's the thing, I am. And it's for your own good, all right? Um, because what's going to happen is if you will learn this tool and this principle, this, this dynamic of what it means to start over, you will actually enter into a a better future and you'll become a healthier person. And this one thing I'm going to talk about is actually one thing that keeps a ton of people from finding freedom in their life and it keeps a ton of people from finding health uh, in relationships, in the workplace, in uh, in their marriage, parenting, all those areas uh, because this one thing usually keeps a lot of people stuck. And so today, if you get it, yeah, it might be like, okay, he's picking on it a little bit. Get over it, all right, and, and, and learn what I'm talking about. Because if you will learn it, I promise, things can get better and will get better in your life and your relationships if you'll just uh, take this to heart. Um, so whether it's a relationship, a job, school, uh, whatever it is, um, whatever you're starting over in, uh, maybe it's just a new week. You're like, man, I'm so glad that week is over. I'm going into a new week. How can we ensure this one, this time is going to be better than, than last time? Well, here's some, some tools. So let me review a little bit, all right? So I can point out some things. Um, one, one thing we said last week was directions are for people who want to get it right the first time, right? It's kind of a joke, but uh, it's true. Directions are for people who want to get it right the first time. And I gave some really good instructions and directions last week. And this whole series, we're going to give you some tools to be able to make healthy choices, wise choices. Um, and we talk about three myths. And these are important because um, if, if we live with these assumptions in our lives, we actually will miss um, the best that God has for us. But we'll also miss opportunities because we'll be looking at the wrong thing. And we said this, the first myth, myth that a lot of people believe is the experience myth. And we said that experience uh, makes you wiser, right? That's the myth. It's not true. Experience doesn't make you wiser. It just means you're, you have more white hair and you're older, right? Um, Evaluate experience is what makes you wiser. If you learn to evaluate your experiences, that's when you learn. And, and the sad truth is too many people think, well, I experienced that, I must be better. But no, unless you evaluate and figure out why you did what you did, and in the cases where it was wrong, what you did that was wrong, and how you can fix that. And in other cases, even evaluate what was what's working so that if it ever breaks, you can actually fix it. And so we said uh, evaluate experience is what we need to have, and this series is going to say, what if we became people that always looked through that lens of how can I evaluate my week? How can I evaluate this previous conversation, this last meeting? How can I evaluate my, my last relationship so I don't go into the next one repeating it? Um, so that was the first myth. The second myth was the no better myth. Uh, since I know better, I'll do better. A lot of people live with this assumption that they think, well, because I've experienced it before, um, I, I know better now. I'm going to do better. Uh, but the truth is, just because you know better doesn't always mean you can do better. Uh, we see this in our kids all the time, right? They want to do better, but sometimes just, they don't know how. They can't figure it out. And so just knowing something doesn't mean you're actually going to do better. But the truth is, no better does not equal do better. And just if, once you get in your mind, you can't use the excuse of, oh, yeah, I, I know better. No, but do you really? Are you going to do better or are you going to just say that and walk into the, into the next season the same way you left the last season? And the third myth, the assumption we talked about, was the time myth. 
And too many people think that time is against me. That's the assumption that we live for, with sometimes is, man, I've got I to hurry up. I've got to do everything I can now because I'm running out of time. And if I don't do it, um, I'm going to lose time, lose opportunities. And when people get in a rush and make decisions through that lens, that assumption, they actually find themselves making poor choices because we, we t- typically don't make good choices when we're in a rush and have to just decide out of something that's rushed. The truth is this. The myth is time is against you. The truth is time is actually your friend. Um, and wise people know this. They get this. They know that instead of making a rash decision, jumping into something, if they wait it out a little bit, think about it, pray about it, ask people advice on it, they'll actually make a better choice rather than just rushing into it. And sometimes in our culture, we're so in a hurry to do things that we actually get ourselves in situations that make it worse for us, not better. And so that was the, that was the three myths we talked about, the assumptions that we need to begin to change if we're going to have a better um, uh, start this time and make it better than last time. And so today, I want to I talk about the first of three tools we're going to give you for the, next, the, the rest of the month. Um, and these tools are important. Like I said, this is the one that, that's key. Uh, it has to start. It's where you have to start. If you're going to make next time better than last time, you have to start here. And here's the tool, right? You have to own it. In fact, everybody said, would you say own it? Own it. All right, that's, that is the tool that we're going to give you. Is if, you can, if you can figure out this dynamic when it comes to relationships, when it comes to life, and you learn to own it, you'll actually better be able to do better. You won't, you won't see history repeating itself because you'll begin to figure out what your part of that, of that history was. Because in, 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 the reason we see re- history repeat itself in our lives and even in other people's lives is because they, they don't take time to evaluate and figure out why it didn't work, and then they don't take time to say, here's my part of that, why I'm, how I messed up, how I, I didn't make a wise choice, and they go into the next one and they just repeat it because they don't pause long enough to figure out what our responsibility was. Because um, the truth is, when we talk about faults, typically it's not our fault, right? It's like, fault? Whose fault? Not my fault. Somebody else's fault. Um, for a long time, um, I, in, high, in my, my whole uh, school, school career, um, I only flunked one class. All right? I flunked one class, and I had to redo the uh, – it was a math class in, in high school. Um, and for the longest time, I blamed it on my teacher. And there was some part of it where – there was some blame on her part. But as a high school student, I remember the fact that I didn't want to deal with the fact that I flunked a class. And uh, it was easier just to blame somebody else than to deal with it. Right? Um, and and I, I, uh, this one class, I had to retake it when I was a senior. So I was a senior taking this class with all the freshmen. It's kind of funny. And um, it was just it, – it I, I remember just feeling like I blamed everything on my teacher. And here's what happens when we don't own up something or take responsibility for something. We make, make other people out to be the vic- – we become the victim, and they become the, the reason that we failed or that we had issues. And we begin to put off on him and the more uh, off on those people and the more we tell the story here's the sad truth is actually we begin the more we begin to believe this story and over time um the, our our story our version of that of that that instant of that issue of that event in our lives actually becomes um kind of um um not the whole story it's only part of it because we begin to think and, and, and the more we become the victim and tell others about how everybody was so wrong we start believing it um and if we don't ever own our part We'll actually it, – it, uh, it'll put blinders on our, in that moment in our life, and we'll actually carry that part of our, of our past, those issues, into the future everywhere we go because we're never willing to, um, to say this was my part of it. Um, and I wish I would have known this when I was younger because for a long time, uh, you know, I, 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 um, I love soccer because there was an influence in my life who, who was passionate about soccer. And, and I used to love math until I flunked this class, and I, I started to hate math. And I always said it was this teacher's fault. And, and there was some, you know, looking back, there was some things. Um, but if I would have just taken, you know, maybe asked the question of what could I have learned, what could I have done better, um, I might have been able to um, not flunk and actually get a better grade and, and done better in, in that class rather than just putting the blame on somebody else and moving forward. But here's the thing. In our lives, I'm not the only one that does that. We all do it. 
And in fact, I'm going to give you a Bible story in, in, in a second where we even see it's, it's the first story in the Bible uh, where, where as humans, we have this tendency to try to, to, to skirt around or sidestep um, our responsibility in, in any given situation. And today, if we can learn this, this tool of, of owning it, this dynamic, we'll actually begin to see tomorrow better than, than yesterday. And so here's, here's, here's the truth. Uh, your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. So the, your best bet at a better future is to be, begin to own your share of the past. Um, it's in us to blame others. It's in us to, um, to say it's not our fault, it's somebody else. Um, but, but mature people, they always learn, healthy people always learn to say, okay, um, I can't control all, all the circumstances and all of what happened, but I can control this part. And this is the one thing I could have done better. Um, I remember um, uh, a few months ago, my wife and I got in a, um, a heated conversation, all right? And uh, it didn't start off heated. It was actually a normal conversation. We were talking, and uh, I, had, I, I began to say something, and I could have chosen, you know, you have those moments you could choose all these different words, and I chose the one that carried the most, like, hurt with it, right? And I knew as soon as I said the word, so if I would have picked a different word, our conversation had been a conversation. But because I chose that word that was hurtful, as soon as it left my mouth, I knew, oh, oh, come back. That's not good. And a normal conversation turned into a heated conversation because of my poor choice of my, my um, how did you say that? My poor choice of word selection? There we go. Um, and, and, and I let it out, and then it turned into this, this argument. And then it took a while to kind of finally let the temperature cool down. And, and uh, the reason it actually turned and became a normal conversation again because I actually owned it and said, okay, I'm sorry. That was not the right word. I should not use that word. That's not exactly the best word to choose. I apologize for that. That's not the truth. I'm sorry. And then we were able to kind of go around. But it messed up the whole conversation and really messed up the whole day because when you get in those situations. But here's, here's, here's the thing. Um, because I was able to own it and because I was able to look back and reflect and say, let's not do that again. Next time when you're in this conversation, choose your words carefully, right? So it doesn't go into something, into something worse than it, than it needs to be. Um, but, but the truth is, so mature people, healthy people, they learn to say, I have to own this part of, of what it is so that I can be healthier, I can move into a healthier future. Um, if I was stubborn and never owned it, never, you know, just said like, whatever, it's your, your problem, your fault, um, we would still have tension going on because it would never be resolved. And in our lives, this is what happens to a lot of people because they don't own their part they carry it into the future, and there's this unresolved te- tension, unresolved issues that keeps them from, from the best that they could have in relationships. And so today, you have to get this. And I'm going to show you in the Bible. It's actually the first story. It's, it's a, um, um, where, where, where Adam and Eve, uh, they mess up, and we're going to see how it, it's, it's in us because of uh, our fallen nature. And there's something in us to try to protect ourselves, something in us to try to, uh, to um, save uh, what other people think of you, save face. And so we don't always own up to it. And so in this story, uh, Jesus, Jesus affirms, he, he talks to Adam and Eve. And the reason, you know, when, when it comes to Adam and Eve, we, we follow Jesus' teachings as, as Christians. That's what a Christian means. Um, and throughout scriptures, the, he's always pointing back to, to people. And there's a reason. because He wants us to learn from them. Essentially saying, learn from this so you don't have to repeat this. And in our lives, if we don't learn from, those, from others, we can actually end up doing the same things they did. And in this case, this is one of those stories that we need to learn from because if we don't, we'll just repeat over and over what they did because um, there's a great op- example here. And throughout the Bible, I think this is why the Bible is brilliant. Uh, there's example after example of people who have faced similar things that we face and they've overcome. Or in some cases, they did something really dumb and we can learn from that mistake so we don't have to do it ourselves. And so here's the story of Adam and Eve. Um, it's a, the, the first story in the Bible, um, and, and this is what, the, what it says in Genesis 127. So it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
And, and a, male and female, he created them. So Moses starts off this story. He's talking about creation. And he's talking about how God made uh, man and woman. Um, and, he, and he said, uh, um, he begins to, to give us some insight in, into what we can learn from this story. Um, and he goes on and says this, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. So, so here's, here's the thing. In, in chapter 1, God creates everything. He makes everything. He's the creator. He starts it all off. And, and he says that he gives Adam and Eve, he puts them in this garden, perfect environment, and he only gives them one rule, all right? And the rule is you can eat of any tree in the garden except the one tree in the middle, right? The tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. Leave that one. That, that's reserved for me. That's, that's just one rule. So we didn't have Ten Commandments. That the point that Adam and Eve didn't have uh, Ten Commandments. They didn't have all the, the Old Testament, all the scriptures. Um, it was just one, one rule. And here's the thing. We don't know exactly how long it took for them to break the rules. Right? We don't know if it was a day, if it was two days, if it was three years. We don't know exactly how long it was. Um, but, it, but at some point in the journey, in their story, they, they did the one thing that God asked them not to do. Because here's the thing. In the beginning, when, when God had it the way he wanted it and the way he created it, and we were under his authority, we actually didn't need a bunch of rules. And here's one, one key, I think, principle you need to catch. When you let God lead you, it doesn't, and you do it from the right, um, the right relationship, and you do it with the right heart. Everything he asks you, they're not going to feel like rules. They're actually going to feel like his request and his guidance in your life, not to keep you from something, but actually keep you away from something harmful. And when you have a right relationship with God, you actually begin to see, okay, if he's leading, I'm going to trust that whatever he says, it's not a command and a rule that I have to obey. It's something that I get to obey because he's leading me on this journey. And I think this is part of the story that we, we, you don't want to miss. You don't want to rush through it. When God created the environment, he was God, right, because he, he made it all, and they were following his lead. There wasn't a, there wasn't, it wasn't necessary to have a bunch of rules. Why? Because he was God, and he was, he was helping, us, helping, helping the journey out. And he just said, there's just one thing don't do. And the reason he gives choice there is because we, he wants us to be people of free will, creatures of free will that we can choose for ourselves. And he wanted Adam and Eve to choose for themselves to trust him, not, not to do their own thing. But in our human nature, there's something about it that they wanted to push the boundaries, push the limits. And what did they do? They broke the one only rule that God set up for them. And sometimes we think like, you know, if, if I had it that way, it'd be, it'd be different, it'd be better, and I wouldn't have done that. Uh, but here, here it is, that, that they have one rule and they break it. And because in this moment where they, where they take the fruit and, and eat it, they mess it up for all mankind, for all of us. Um, and this is where sin enters. And, and, and we inherited, inherited a world of, uh, of a fallen world, a broken world, because Adam and Eve broke the one rule that God gave them. In fact, if we pick up the story in chapter 3, after they break the, the one rule, this is what it says. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So he's walking in his own garden, the garden he created. In the cool of the day, he's walking. All right? And they hear the sound of God there. Um, and, and this is what it says they did. It says, is it, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Here's the thing. Whenever we mess up, whenever we break God's commands, whenever we, we, we just know in ourselves, the Bible calls it sin. Um, it, it, you miss the mark. You, you, you don't live the way God wants you to. And whenever anybody messes up, there's something that comes along with it. It's called shame. Um, it's called regret. It's, it's, it's a, there's something that follows along every time we mess up. And you know this. You, in your life, when you messed up, there's this tendency to do exactly what they, de- do, what they did. We try to hide. Uh, we try to hide what we did. Uh, we try to keep it from others. And it says they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Why did they hide? Because of guilt and because of shame. You know, you know when somebody gets caught, what, what, what usually follows their words when, they're, when they've been caught in something they didn't do? It's usually, I'm sorry, right? It follows. Why, is that, why are they sorry? Because they knew that at some point they messed up. 
And for some people, they carry that, that guilt and that shame for a lot of years, and they're trying to hide it, and they try to run away and keep, keep the story from everybody else. And they'll even disguise it and, and blame things, which we'll talk about. And, and they, they, don't, they don't own their part. They don't own up to what took place. And it's, it's a, typically, I'm sorry. And, and if, it's, if it's been a long time that somebody's been breaking the rules or the law or whatever, and they say, I'm sorry, typically, we don't even believe them, right? Because they've been hiding that whole time. They never really even, even owned up to it. And, and, and this is what God says. He says this, his conversation. He said, but the Lord called to the man, and he says, where are you? Because they're hiding. And he answered, he, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So Adam responds to God and says, I was afraid. Why is he afraid? Because he knew he broke something. He knew he broke the, the command that God gave him. He knew that he did something he was supposed to be. And, and in this story, here's the one thing that I want you to know. So at this point in history, this is the worst sin possible you could possibly do, right? It's the worst sin in history because at this point it's the first sin. And so um, they do the worst thing they could possibly do. And what happens? God comes to them and he calls out to them. Here's another aspect of God you need to know is he's always looking for us. No matter what we've done, where we're at, where we're hiding, God is always trying to find us because he wants us to be able to figure out what we did so we can actually make it better and we can live in a better future. This, this is the grace of God. So in this moment where they're at their worst moment in life, what is he doing? He's looking for them. He's calling out to them. So just know whatever you've done in your past, in your life, God is looking for you. He's calling out to you. He's wanting to, to have a relationship with you, wanting to help you to make wise choices so you can have a a healthy and, a, and, a, and a, a better future than you have in the past. That's the beautiful thing about God. In fact, if you're here today, at the end of service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that, um, to do the opposite of what I'm going to tell now what Adam and Eve did, but, but to be able to say, I, I want that. I want, I want to respond to his call in my life. So if that's you, maybe you think about that in the end of service, you can respond. Uh, so, but he says, I was afraid and I hid because God was looking for them. And, and then the next verse says this, and, and God said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you? There's always a who attached. That's a good, good thing to remember. There's always somebody attached to our, our choice that we make. Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? So God starts this dialogue. God knows already, but he's saying, who told you? What's going on here? Have you eaten from that tree? Um, and he asked him, how do you know that you were naked? Like, what, what took place here? Like, there's something in you that, that all of a sudden became like, oh, man, I messed up. And Adam says this. He says, Yes, I did, and I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of this. She's innocent. Right? That is not what he said. That's what he should have said, right? So if you're reading that, you're thinking, well, I never read that in the Bible. That's pretty cool. Adam owned up to it, and he like, so God, forgive me? No, no, he didn't say that. He should have said, yes, I take full responsibility, but he didn't. Um, in fact, the first thing he did is what we tend to do. What they, tend to, what they did and what we tend to do, they, they, to blame others. Um, watch what he really said. So in Genesis 3.12, he says, the mad said, and, and, got, and Adam said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So notice what he does here. All right? he's, he's taking eating the fruit. He's broken the command. And what does he do? He says, the woman that you gave me. So God, this is your fault. This is her fault. I'm innocent. Like, I, I have nothing to do with this. I don't know what you're talking about. It's them. Man, you should never give me the woman. You should never put that tree in the garden. It is everybody's fault. It is not my fault. So he doesn't own it at all. Um, it's somebody else's fault. And, and here's the thing is, is part of that was true, but it's not the whole truth. Because he had a choice to make also, and he didn't, he didn't make the, a wise choice. He made a poor choice. He followed in the temptation. He followed in with the sin that Eve did. He went along with it. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, we don't know the whole 
the dynamic there, but even Eve and, and Adam, this, this conversation, what took place before all that? Does she know? How does she know what, what to eat, do not to eat? Did he pass that on? Was he, why wasn't he there to protect and help? All that dynamic. But here's the thing is we all tend to tell the parts of the story that aren't our fault. Right? That's, that's what happens when we make a mistake. It's like we'll focus on everybody else, but let's not focus on me. I don't want anybody to know. And that's exactly what Adam did. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent. <laughs> he deceived me, so I ate it. So Eve doesn't even own up to her part. What does she do? She pushes the blame to somebody else. And it is true that the serpent did deceive her and did trick her, but she had a choice to make, and she made it. And because she didn't own up to it, she didn't take responsibility for it, she actually is going to drag that into the future with her. And this is what sin does to us. When we do make poor choices, it, it, it becomes a part of our life that we drag with us. And it's a hidden part because we don't, we don't let it be exposed. We keep it hidden because we want nobody to know because there's guilt and there's shame associated with it. Like we don't want other people to look down on us or think poorly of us. But here's the truth, all right? All of us, the Bible says everybody has sinned. All of us have fallen short of, of God's standard, his measurement. Um, we've all messed up. And when you know that, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, that actually helps us know, okay, others have messed up, but they've actually moved beyond that and past that, and they're able to, to move into the future with freedom, not just have to drag their past with them everywhere they went. Here's, so here's the thing. Next time, it can be better than last time, but you're going to have to learn some tools. You're going to have to learn how to be able to, to do the right thing when it comes to these, to, to, to um, responding to our issues and responding to our past. Here's the first thing we need to know is we can't blame our way into a better future. You could, you could blame your way into the future, and you could always live with that, okay, I'm going to blame everybody else. I'm never going to own it. I, somebody else's fault, not my fault. But you can't ever blame yourself into a better future. See, if you don't own your part, you'll drag that part with you everywhere you go. And if it's everybody else's fault, why your relationships don't work, why you're not a good student or a good employee or whatever, it's, it, you're going to drag that with you. And there will always be a reason why you're not those things because you're taking it with you. Because here's the thing. Blame is deadly. And the reason it's deadly is because it blinds us. It blinds us to the truth. It blinds us to our part. And it's easy to begin to say, okay, none of that was my fault. It was everybody else's fault. And the more you tell that story, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the harder it's going to be to actually see your part of that, of that history, of that, of that issue, of that, of that part in your life. Because it blinds us to see that. So we can't blame our way into a better future. And blame, it enables us to smuggle our issues into the future. When we blame others, we're actually just keeping those, those worst things with us, and we're taking them with us into the future. And we don't have complete freedom because we've never really resolved that and owned up to that part. Um, and, and one of the issues that we tell our stories is because we know if we can tell others why it's everybody else's fault, they feel sorry for us, we feel better because now they feel sorry. Poor Eric, he flunked math class because his teacher was horrible. Man, what a horrible teacher. Teachers are horrible. Eric's awesome, right? That's the story you tell over and over so you get people to believe it. The reason he didn't do good is because it was somebody else's fault. I bet he was a really good student. It was only one, he only flunked one class in school. He must be a really good student, right? And we tell the story over and over, we actually believe it more and more. But the truth is, there was things I could have done if I would have, um, owned up to it, and I would have done something a little differently. Good thing. That's one of those lessons you like to learn when you're young because um, it didn't, it's not like those, those life-altering decisions and things that take, take place in your life. Um, but when you don't learn those things, you actually, when you're older, the older you are, the decisions you make, do make, they actually have more impact in our lives. So it, it, blaming others, it, it, we just smuggle the, the past into the future. And if it's not a good past, that's not a good thing to smuggle with you and take into the, into the future. Um, so we have to stop and ask the, the, the difficult questions in our lives. And here's the last thing is blame. It sets us up for repeat performance. When we blame others, it's actually just setting us up to continue doing the things that we continue doing. And why? Because we, get, we, we, we feel good about being able to have a reason to keep doing what we're doing, even when it's unhealthy. 
Like, well, yeah, I know I have these issues, but it's really because of this, that these people, what they did to me, and I've never really dealt with it, so I'm going to keep doing this. Now, because we want to keep doing those things, we keep blaming others, and we never deal with it. And so it actually just sets us up for a repeat performance in our lives. Uh, but when you own your part of the past, what happens is, like that conversation with sincerity to myself, is as soon as I begin to own up to my part of it, the temperature began to come down because it went up pretty quick and pretty fast, right? As soon as that word came out, it was like, woo, that room got really hot and the, the, the temperament got really hot and everything went. But as soon as you own it, it begins to bring down that temperature. In our lives, that's what happens. When we begin to own our parts, we actually begin to get more clarity um, uh, be, and begin to see more clearly. Why? Because blame, it impairs our ability to see. It takes away clarity in our lives. In fact, Jesus says, says it like this when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the way we live. This is on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 8. Uh, he says this. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So there's, there's a connection with purity in our hearts and, and being able to, to see. So there's a relationship between purity and clarity is what he's saying. Like there's, when, when, we're, when we begin to own up our, to our part, when we let purity be in our lives, we actually can see a lot more clearly. It, it helps us to see. When we don't, we blame others and we keep it. It's kind of like we, we keep our, our lives in this dark room where it's hidden because we want nobody to know about all the issues and all the things that we have in our lives. But we all have issues and we all have things. And those things are keeping us from a better future. And here what he's saying is if you admit your part, if I admit um, my part, I can't stay angry, I can't stay mad, I can't blame it on others. What happens, you begin to see a little clear, more clearly and you say, okay, there's something that I have to own up on this part so I can, I can move into my future with freedom. And as soon as we begin to um, address those things that we're hiding, we actually begin to, it's like, it'd be like opening up the curtains in your room, right? And the sunlight comes in and fills it up. And you're like, oh, wow, like that's not good. That needs to be cleaned. And that's not really nice. And wow, I've been, I've been hiding this for too long that I actually don't even see it anymore. But as soon as you open it up and say, okay, there's some things here. And you begin to invite God. And you, you begin to make, um, make it right with other people if, they, if they're involved then you begin to move into your, your future with freedom. But as long as you don't address those things and you just keep it closed and hidden, you're, you're blinded to the truth because um, there's, there's a bigger story that's being told. In fact, uh, when, I, when I meet with couples to do marriage counseling, um, sometimes it's with the couple, sometimes it's with the individual because they're, having, they're struggling in the marriage or whatever, um, I usually tend to draw this, this, this picture, this little diagram. I just draw a circle. And in the circle, I'll say, here's the event, here's what's going on in your life, whatever, it's your marriage, your relationship, here's the one thing. And um, if, if they're both there, I encourage them, you have to figure out your part of, of this pie, right? I draw a little picture of a pie, and I say, you have, to, you have to own up to this. And you would think, you know, when you come into these conversations, you, you know, half would be theirs, half would be mine. Uh, that never happens. It's not ever, um, I'm, I'm half, to, half, half the, the reason that this is not working. Uh, they're the other half. It's never like that, right? Because that's not a good story. That's not the stories we tell. I don't tell, hey, I flunked algebra class in math school because I was a bad student and my teacher was bad. It was, no, no, I wasn't bad at all. She owns, uh, she was all of it. So it's not half mine, half yours. Go to the next one for me. Um, like this diagram would show. You know, if I could get them even 25%, you know, we begin to think like, well, I, okay, I'll own 25% it. So that, that one chunk, that, that's mine, but the rest is theirs. And what's really funny is you have two people in the room, and they're both thinking like 25% is mine, 20, 75% is theirs. The math doesn't add up, right? You're like, okay, somebody in this room is lying, right? You're like, you've got to figure this out. But typically, so uh, when it comes to our choices and actions, um, majority of couples, when, when they come, when they come into, to meet and talk about things, ne- they never ever say, hey, can I tell you about my issues? Let me talk to you about my issues. Usually it's, hey, can I meet with you? My marriage is not working, my whatever. If it's 
parenting, whatever. It's like, let me tell you about why they aren't working, why these things aren't working. It's never about myself. It's usually about my spouse or my kids or my boss. It's somebody else is to, to blame. And, and, and usually, you know, the next picture, this is actually more accurate to what people would actually say. Okay, all right. So there was a little part that I owned. But it was really little, like 1%, maybe 5%. But the rest is theirs. And then I say, okay, well, we can't talk about any of that other stuff. Let's just talk about your stuff. Because really, we can't control any of that. Um, I can't control looking back in my past. I can't control anything about my teacher, even if she was 95% to blame. I can't do anything like that. But what is the, the 5% or the 10% that I was to blame? I could have tried harder. I could have got tutoring. I could have, I could have reached out for help. I could have done other things. But really, I wanted to be the victim. So instead of just saying, um, you know, I, I have issues here, it's like, man, I don't like math. She teacher doesn't like me. She's making it hard for me. Forget this. I'm not going to try. And I'll just take the, the, the loss and I'll move forward. And so there's parts that I didn't own up to where I could have, if I would have, I could have learned and I could have um, uh, owned up to my part of it. Um, and here's the, here's the thing. In those, in those conversations, when, when, especially when there's two spouses and one's not present, I would say we can't talk about that person at all because they're not here. But let's just talk about you and your part. What can you fix? What can you change? What can you do? And if that person is willing to own up and begin to say, okay, I have issues. I have these things. And if they could call out one thing and say, okay, 1%. All right, let's talk about that 1%. And if they're really honest, the more we talk, really it's more like, okay, that was 1%. Now there's like, I thought of another 5%. And over time it's like, okay, I thought of another like 10%. And before they know it, they begin to realize, I have a lot more to, to own up to this than, than I thought. Why? Because as long as we're the victim, everybody else is at fault, we don't have to own up to it. We just smuggle our, our issues into the future and we ignore it. And people that never can own up to their part they actually will go from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship, from one job to the next job because they're never becoming healthy individuals. And in every instance, when I've, when I've done meeting with, with couples or with individuals, whenever there's a healthy outcome, the reason is because they were able to own up to their part of the story, their part of the past. And those who can't, they, won't, they will never get healthy because they're going to keep their, their issues hidden and dark and, and, and concealed, and they'll just keep dragging those issues with them. And they'll keep thinking, man, I, I sure pick like a lot of people who, who are not good in relationships and like, like this is just not, it's not working because they keep having a repeat performance what they've done because they've never figured out how to own their part so they can make better choices in their lives. Um, even when it's hard, to, when, when it's hard to, to face up to and to own up to it, uh, even when it's difficult things. You know, you know those moments I'm talking to somebody and it's like, man, I'm really going to let you in, in deep here because I've been carrying this for a long time. And what's so amazing is when they finally own up to it and they actually say it, there's like this relief inside of them like, oh, wow. Like I actually told somebody that what was going on and now I'm no longer carrying this all of myself. It's like they opened up the curtains and what, what, what I saw, yeah, it wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad as they thought, right? Because all of a sudden now the darkness made it worse than when it really was. But as soon as the light opened up, it's like, oh, well, I can move forward from this. No matter what I've, what I've gone through, whatever, whatever is taking place, I can actually move forward because I'm now opening up my life. And no matter how hard um, or, or they, had to, they had to become humble, they had to let, go, let their pride down to be able to say, okay, here's something. Um, and in that moment where they exchanged humility for pride or pride for, for humility for pride, they began to be free from whatever they were carrying for all that time. Um, and they began to see clarity clearly about their lives. And they had the ability to see a better future. And the reason those people can move into the future of freedom and into a better future is because they can begin to see clearly about what was causing them to mess up in the first place. Because uh, here's the truth. We're only as free as we're willing to be. We're only as free as we're willing to share what's going on in our lives with the issues we have. 
Uh, We can only see clearly if we open up our lives to others, open our lives up to God and say, here it is. Um, Man, I own up to my part of it. And and then we begin to move forward. Remember, um, oh, let me give you a quote from Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley says it like this, great quote. uh, You make peace with your past by owning your peace of the past. So you own, the moment you can begin to say, I own this, you begin to move into freedom because you're actually at clarity. But if you avoid, if you ignore, if you keep choosing the lie, you'll never have peace. If you keep, keep it hidden, you'll never be free from that. Um, and your reasons or your excuses, they'll, they'll keep you from a better future. And all those reasons and all the people to blame, they're actually keeping you from something better. But if you'll be willing to say, okay, I'm going to make peace with my past so that I can move into the future with more peace. I can, I can, I can have a, um, a better future. And here's the truth. If you, put the next slide up for me. Um, the more difficult it is, if, if your part of that, of that pie is really small, and it really was somebody else, you know, they lied, there was deceit. Uh, it's going to be harder for you to admit your part because it's so easy to see the, the, the majority of somebody else's fault. But when you become honest with yourself and say, okay, there's something here. It's difficult, but I'm going to own it. It begins to help you, help you have clarity. And if you're honest, you'll begin to see other things that you could get better at in other parts of your life. So Matthew 5, 8, Jesus says this, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Jesus is talking about the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. He say, he's giving all these teachings about how, how we should respond as, as followers of Christ. And he's saying those that are pure. So essentially those that have opened up their lives and say, okay, I need to clean this up. I need this to be fixed. I need this to get better. Those people, those are the ones that are saying, all right, I own up to it. Help me out. They're the ones that begin to see clearly because they've now opened their lives up. They've, they've chosen humility over pride. See, pride says, don't let anybody in. Man, they're going to think worse of you. Keep yourself looking good. Don't let anybody know you flunked the math class, right? Don't let anybody know that you have issues. Keep it hidden. You'll be okay. That's pride. It's saying, it's, I'm more important, and, and my things are more important than, than, than health and more important than, than having better relationships. And in your life, if you don't own it, if you don't open up, you'll never be able to go into the future in a healthy way. Um, there's no room in our future because all of our issues, they actually keep keep our, our life full. And we can't go into a better future because they've taken all the room from, from hope and from something that's better. And we choose to keep that rather than going into the other when we don't own it um, because we keep, we keep blaming. But if we're honest, and if we're honest with ourselves and with God and with others, we'll begin to say, okay, I need to clear these worst issues out. Um, this is one of the reasons we have small groups, honestly. Uh, in this service, I, I speak to you, I challenge you. I hope that you'll begin to take these steps every week we give you. But small groups is where you're really going to begin to say, okay, I'm going to open my life up a little bit and a little bit more. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we all wear a mask and we all do. We put our best on for everybody. But in those moments where you have trust with relationships, you begin to take the mask off and say, hey, uh, there's something else going on here. And the moment that we begin to reveal what's really there, we actually find freedom. And what's really amazing in small groups is when we do that, we actually look across the table and somebody else says, oh, you too? Man, I thought I was the only one. It's like, no, we all have issues. And if we can deal with those issues, we can actually move into freedom. And those that say, I have no issues, that is your issue. You're ignoring your issues. You're pretending there's nothing there. And you actually need to address that issue because that's the one that's going to keep you in the past because you're ignoring everything that's there. We all have issues. And in fact, you don't think, just ask people around you. They'll begin to tell you, yeah, you do have issues. Here's one of your issues. Like, how oh, I didn't know that. Because we all have issues. And God is saying, well, if you deal with these issues, you don't have to carry them into your future. You could be free to be able to... To, to move into, into freedom, into a better and a healthier relationship. Um, but not owning your part, it keeps you from seeing what's really going on. 
Um, so the next time, it can be better than last time because you choose for it to be. That's the only way next time will be better. You have to choose to open up. You have to choose to own your part of it. You have to choose for it to be because you're saying, I'm going to learn from this. In fact, we talked about those three myths, right? You're going to say, okay, just because I've done it, have experience, doesn't mean that I'm better. I need to evaluate this. Not, today, owning it, the big part of evaluating it. Like, what is my part in this? How can I learn? I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take some time to really think through this so I don't repeat the past over and over. So here's my challenge for us today. All right, my challenge is this. Don't move forward until you have owned your part of the past. If you have a major decision in life, if you're going into a new job, a new relationship, a new school, whatever it is, don't move forward until you've actually said, I need to address these issues. I need to clear out the worst issues so I can move in freedom into the next thing. Because if you don't, you can expect next time to be like last time because you're doing the same things. But if you will begin to say, I need to do this, here's the reason why. Because healthy people, they do healthy things. And those healthy, a lot of times those healthy things are hard things. And those hard things are to be honest with yourself and to be honest with others. So if you want to be a healthy individual, you need to learn to say, I'm going to own it. All right, so last week wasn't a great work week at work. Why? Well, I was a little lazy. Um, I kind of didn't put my whole effort in it. I didn't try hard enough. Right? You begin to own it. In my, in my marriage, it's kind of average, not really going well. Well, why? Well, I, I really don't treat my wife like I did when we were dating. I don't, I don't work hard to, to show her that I love her. Okay, so that's owning it. You know, if you're a student, I'm not really getting good grades. Why not? Well, honestly, I'm just not really applying myself. I'm, I'm bored with it. I'm not doing something more. You have to own it. And when you begin to own it, you begin to do those hard things of saying, all right, I'm going to have the hard conversations with others. Then you begin, you become healthy. But too many people are too afraid to do those things. They never become healthy. And they, they keep it hidden. And they keep their, their, their issues close to themselves and never let it out. But here's the thing. Better always starts with me saying, I'm going to open my life up. I'm going to allow God room to work in my life. Remember, blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. What are you saying? God, help me. God, heal me. God, fix me. God, move in my life. So today, that's my challenge for you. This, this week, would you own your parts? Would you evaluate? Would you look through these different areas of your life and say, all right, where can I get better? What am I not doing healthy and well? What can I, what can I change here? That's my challenge for today is, is do that. Uh, so for today, as we close, what I want to do is if there's people in this room, um, you've been, you have issues. I talk about this and it's kind of scary because you're, I'm actually kind of getting close to something very personal to you and very uh, dear uh, because you've held on to this for so long. And it's kind of scary because you're like, man, he's going to expose me and I really don't want this. And honestly, it's not me exposing you. And the truth is I'm not perfect. I have issues also. And I'm saying, God, help me to clear out these things so I can move in freedom. And today is about you saying, I'm going to open up those, those, those curtains to God and say, come, look at what I have. Forgive me of my part. In fact, this is what the Bible says in James 4, 6. It says, and he gives grace generously. God gives grace. He came looking for Adam and Eve when they're at their worst. Why? Because he wants relationship. He comes looking for you even when you're at your worst. Why? Because he wants you to have a better future. He wants a relationship with you. And he says this, that God, oppresses, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you want God's grace, it's going to take one massive thing of you owning up to your part and saying, I'm going to choose humility over pride. I'm going to open my life up rather than keep it closed. And that's God's invitation for us, for you today, is would you choose humility, not pride? Would you own up to your part? Would you own it? So today, if you're here today, would you be a favor? Everybody close your eyes and bow your head. And if you're here today and you'd say, that's me, today I'm going to choose humility. I'm going to choose honesty. I'm going to choose to own my part of my past, of my issues. The Bible says that when we do that, God 
He responds with grace. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And today you need grace. And I need grace. But it only comes with us saying, God, I can't do it on my own. God, forgive me of my past. Imagine if Adam and Eve actually responded that way and said, all right, we messed up. What would the story have been? What will your story be? So that's you today. If you're here and say, that's me, do me a favor. Would you raise your hand and let me know you're here? I'm not going to invite you to come to the front. I'm just going to lead you to prayer right in your seat. Awesome. I see a few hands going up. That's where it starts. I'm going to own it. God, I'm owning my part. I need your help. And the moment we do that, God says, finally, I can work with something. You're being honest. And God loves it. And can I tell you something? I love it too. I love to see people say, I want to get honest. I want to move into freedom. I want to move into a better future. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're a Christian in this room, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? If you raise your hand, just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, today I admit that I need your help. I own my part of the past, of my choices. Forgive me of my choices that have led me away from you. Forgive me. Give me freedom in my life. Help me to open up and be honest with you and be honest with others so that I can find forgiveness and I can find healing. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross in my place so I could have a relationship with you. Today I invite you into my life. Make me a new person. Give me a new start. I put my trust and I put my faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate all those that raised their hand today. So good.